me share. You know, the Lord wants to bless these people today. Um, and I want you to pray for your pastor, that the Spirit of the Lord will speak through him, that the Holy Spirit just come and bless this m o n Heavenly Father, we've felt your presence in this place. We pray for your spirit now to continue to move and to speak and to change and transform us. Pray that your spirit come upon Pastor Baloui, that he would speak with power and grace and compassion the message that you've given him, and that we'd all be changed because we met together with you. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Please be seated. Yes. Let's give a hand to the Lord. Yes. He is here with us this morning. Yes. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. Our Jesus, our good master, our good rabbi, uh, he said, love your neighbors as yourself. He said, love your neighbors as yourself. And how can we love our neighbor? He said, love your neighbor. So how can we love our neighbors? And today I want to share with you how we can love our neighbors by looking at some of the people that have already loved the neighbors. And looking the, at the example of how they live their lives. So I want to introduce you this morning, Abraham. And look at his life. And how he loved his neighbor Lot. How his neighbor Sodom and Gomorrah. And what we can learn from him. And there are three things that I want us to learn. There are a lot more, but I'll concentrate on three things. One is hospitality. The second one is compa- uh, compassion. And the third one is intercession, which is prayer. How he used these three spiritual principles in showing love to his neighbor, Lot, and Sodom, and Gomorrah. Right? What are the three things again? Yes. And prayer. Let's all go home. You got it right. The test is done. I was praying for this Who is My Neighbor series. This is the beginning, the start of the series. And as I was praying, your pastor, Wong Valui, I'm the pastor of Santa Clara First Baptist Church, Wong Valui, and the Lord laid in my heart this great joy and confidence of what He is going to do through our church. God's people, Santa Clara First Baptist Church, He loves you. And as my wife, when we took these two weeks off to pray, to read, and to write, I was very convinced and convicted of how the Lord has been with us and how He's going to be with us in the future. And great things are going to happen, not because we are good, not because we are extraordinary. Because God is good. I'm saying this not to make you believe. I'm saying this as a reality of God's truth that He is going to do great things through us and we're going to move along with Him. And as I was praying, I had this wonderful dream. 
I had this amazing dream that I was having conversation with God. And in my dream, it's about what I should do. And he gave me three things, three lists. And you know, the first one was read the word of God, read the scripture. The second one was pray, keep on praying. And the third was be involved in making disciples. Prayer, reading the word of God, and discipleship. This was in the second week of my rest and prayer with my wife. Do these three things. And I woke up. Like, whoa, wow, this is exciting. And the sermon here, one of the principles we will deal with is intercession and prayer in loving our neighbors. Aren't you excited? Why does he speak to us? It's because he loves you and he cares for you. I just happen to be in this position of being your shepherd. And when the Lord communicates to me, it is communicating to you and I. And say, keep on praying. Keep on reading the word of God. Keep on making disciples and see what I will do through you. I hope you're excited. Yes, I am. And we're going to look from Genesis 18 today on these three principles. Genesis 18. Okay? Genesis 18 on the life of Abraham. See, neighbors come in all size and shapes and color. Okay? In fact, you're aware and conscious. The moment you're conscious and aware of other people, you have likes and dislikes already. You can go back to little baby and they will know what, what they like, what they don't like. Some kids will come up to you, some kids will not because they just don't like you, right? And all kids come to me because they love me. <laughs> I'm sorry about that, right? Uh, um, so, and it can be, some are good memories, some can be uh, traumatic. Right? In terms of uh, Abraham and Lot, let me take you back. Let me give you a little bit of a background for some of you that are new to the Christian faith. And some of you are here that are new to Christian faith. So when you go back to Genesis chapter 12, God called Abraham to leave his country, his relatives, his family, and go to a land that he will show. So who followed? Lot followed with him. Lot is his nephew. Okay? So now they've been going around, and uh, they were also in Egypt in the famine, and now you find them coming out of Egypt to go into the land of Canaan. In Genesis 18, right? So, um, um, what happens is, there was a conflict between Lot and Abraham. What was the conflict? Because their cattle, animals have... God has increased them. So the herdsmen, they started fighting. There was a conflict on the grazing land. So, Abraham called Lot and said, Lot... I do not want to have conflict with you. Genesis chapter 13. We don't want, I want to live in peace. So come, let's have a meeting. And they had a meeting and they look out at the land. And Abraham said to Lot, you pick the land whichever you want. And so Lot looked at it and he looked at Jordan Plain. And the Bible said that it was like the garden of God. Well watered green pastures. Great for his animals. So Lot looked at that and said, I'm going to take the Jordan plain. So Abraham went to Hebron 
and stayed in Hebron. Okay? And Lot got the nice one. There was the so that's the and look now let's look at Sodom and uh, Gomorrah, the relationship with Abraham. What happens is when you read in Genesis 14, King uh, Chedor, Chedor Lomar and four other kings have come together to attack Sodom and Gomorrah. And they did attack. The war happened and they took everything from Sodom and Gomorrah. All the goods possession, including Lord and his family. They were taken as captives. So when one of the uh, survivors came and told Abraham, uh, they have taken Lot, your nephew, as captives. What did Abraham do? He called his servants. And he fought the five kings. And he won the battle. He took all the goods and possession. And on the way back, he met Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and offered tithes to him of all the war gain. Right? That's the story. And after that, the king of Sodom came, came to meet him, and he returned all the goods to the king of Sodom. And Sodom said, the king of Sodom said, No, please keep the goods with you and possession. And Abraham said, No, I don't want anything of you. I don't want anything of you. I'm going to return it to you. So you, you look the story now that started with conflict. You look at the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Sodom and Gomorrah were very wicked and sinful against the Lord. And, uh, but still Abraham pursued uh, uh, his nephew and saved all the belongings and possession of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's the background. Okay, That is the background. So you're caught up with the story here. Now this is fast forward. They're living in separate land. And we're going to look at how Abraham related as a neighbor to Lot, to Sodom, and Gomorrah. Right? Are we clear? Yeah. You've, you, 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 okay, we're good. So let's look at hospitality. Okay. And the impact of hospitality. Hospitality can bring salvation to people. Okay? Hospitality can bring salvation. It can save somebody's life. And this is very important. And you can show hospitality if you want to love your neighbors. So, when Abraham was in Mamre, sitting under the terebinth tree, um, he looked out, and there's uh, these three men coming. Three strangers coming. Right? He was sitting at the door of his tent and looking out, and three men came. So what did he do? He got up, he ran to them, and the word of God says, he bowed down, he bowed before them and said, if you find favor with me, please come and rest in my tent. Do not pass by. Right? Do not pass by. Um, uh, and he said, Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourself under the tree and I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. And then, so they said, okay, we will stay. He ran to Sarah and said, Sarah, please make bread and cake. Then he ran out to his uh, uh, animal and he took a young lamb 
He prepared it, and he made milk and butter. So they offered bread, cake, milk, and butter, and lamb to these three strangers. Hospitality is not just skin deep, you know. It's not just skin deep. It involves money. Economically deep. And it is hard deep. It takes work. What did he do? They make bread. They make cake. He killed an animal. He make butter. He, he make milk. Money, time. Right? Talent. It's not like throwing a bones to some animal. It's not like, oh, today I invited so-so and so. Diverse group of people come and just throw food to them. And it, t- it doesn't touch your heart. That's not hospitality. Abraham showed real hospitality. Bowing, inviting, working hard. You will see later on when my wife teaches in the uh, back to the uh, Bible and uh, at VBS on the Good Samaritan. It's the same. It will be the same thing. Now, why is this important? The impact of hospitality. You know what happened after the meal? He didn't know this. This was God, God and two angels. After the meal. Hospitality, right? In hospitality, in a hospitable environment, you can unwrap the gifts of God. That's what's happening, okay? So God turned to Abraham and said, Where is your wife? Sarah. I said, Oh, she's at the back. Um, in the time of the year, uh, you're, going to get, you're going to have a son. I'm promising you a son. And Sarah heard it and she, what did, was there a silence? Like a shock? No, she laughed. And so God said, hey, Sarah, why are you laughing? Because they were over childbearing. I mean, Abraham moved out when he was 75. And if you add the time span in uh, Egypt, let's say um, uh, about eight years, uh, they were 80 plus already, Right? Um, um, and probably very close to 90, right? And so they say, no, but you get a son. How did that happen? Showing hospitality. And the next one is, shall shall I hide from Abraham what I'm going to do? See? Because they were discussing, God was discussing with the two angels, am I going to hide from Abraham what I'm supposed to do? And he did not hide. He, was, he told Abraham what he was, he's going out to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. The impact of hospitality when you show to other people, it can lead to salvation. It can change the people of life. It also allows God to return to you. What does He return? His favor. He returned His favor to you. So, love your neighbors. How do I love my neighbors? Show hospitality. And what is that hospitality? It's not just skin deep. It involves your money. It involves your heart. 
It's not like throwing a, a bone to a dog. That's not hospitality. Are we, are we good? Because these are life-changing things. This principle is life-changing. We, I, I wanted to sing it in our heart. I am not teaching to like make you feel so good and you go out and forget on Monday. Okay? I want this to take root. The importance of hospitality. My wife and we have witnessed salvation in this church and in other places because of practicing hospitality. It's not because we were born with it. Okay? We learn. We practiced. We learn to accept and love all kinds of people and use the resources that God has given us. In our dining table, we have ate with, we have shared meal with convicts, drug addicts, people that are struggling with all kinds, you know, homeless people. And we have seen them join the body of Christ and join the church and live an active life in serving God. Right? Amen. Yes, I agree with that. Amen. How did that happen? It's because of hospitality. Is it because we were good people? No. It's an act of hospitality that opens their heart to experience God's love. Real people need real love to experience real God. See? Right. Next one. Compassion. Okay? Now, compassion is also not only skin deep. It is economically deep, and also it's heart deep. It involves your time, talent, and treasure. Right? Okay, so what's happening here is, now, when Abraham heard that God is going to Sodom and Gomorrah, maybe to go and destroy the city, not maybe, he was going. What did Abraham do? You can see the compassion of Abraham. And you can see the compassion of God. Both the compassionate heart of God. Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous along with the wicked? See, the question is, he didn't want God to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Right. He took courage. It, he loved his nephew Lot. Whatever conflict they may have had. He loved Sodom and Gomorrah and the people that were there because Lot's daughters are married to the people. Uh, to the, they have son-in-law in Sodom. So you can see the compassion of God and compassion of Abraham when God revealed to him, right? So, um, in Silicon Valley, uh, we don't have competition. I mean, this is the only place that I know that there is no competition, you know? People are so nice. We don't look at the bottom line. And performances, we don't care about it. I love this valley, right? It's the most laid-back place on earth. Chicken-hearted. Don't let competition crush compassion. Do not let competition crush compassion. You don't have to win. 
Somebody doesn't have to lose in order for you to win. When Christ won, we all won. When Christ won, did I lose? No. When He won, everybody won. And He said, live like me. How does this competition look like? Right? I mean, Lot wants the greener pastures, just like the garden. But he will soon find out that the, grease, the, the grass is not greener on the neighbor's side. Because he didn't know Sodom and Gomorrah. We make decisions based on external appearances. And Lot did that. This is very real, alright? We don't live in a bubble. These things are happening everywhere. Okay, so when I was in West Virginia, and I was listening to two sports commentators, and they were from Texas. And they were talking about how they tried very hard to get rid of their sudden drawl. Because they want a big market in New York and Boston area. And in order to happen that, they have to get rid of the sudden draw. Because you have a certain draw and people already make uh, some perception about, oh, you know. Uh, and some of you are shaking your head because you, are, you have come from Texas and South, right? And I was talking to like African-American uh, guys. And how they have to get rid of their, like, they don't want to sound ghetto when they talk over the phone for interview so they can get a face-to-face interview. See? Um, I was with uh, some tech group from India, and we were having meal, and we were talking, and the parents said, oh, our kids are in a private tutoring class you know, every summer and after school. So what are they doing? Oh, they're, they're learning English. Uh, why? Because they may be smart in math and science, but the parents want their children to, they don't want to have a thick accent. Right. It's the way the world has made it, because we feel like, okay, oh, if I don't have a drawl, if I don't sound like a ghetto, if I don't have a thick accent, I may be more, you know. Accent has nothing to do with a person more or less. The way you may have a drawl or don't have a drawl, that doesn't devalue you or have more value. But it's the competition in the market that we associate with, oh, if he has accent, he is less. Oh, he doesn't have an accent, he is more. Speaking perfectly. Having a good oratory skills doesn't mean you're more than the one who can't speak. There are a lot of smart people working quietly that are changing the world without standing on the stage every Sunday like me. Competition. See, it's prejudice. Loving our neighbor is not just skin deep. It's economically deep and heart deep. And it doesn't have to do with a drawl or, or an accent. It has to do with the heart. Compassion. Com- having compassion on people that don't like you. Maybe your enemy. And having the heart of God. How about that? So the first one was hospitality. The second one was compassion. Right? 
I want you to think, apply these things. Oh, we just came to listen to a sermon. No, I want our church to change the community and the world. And we got to get this right. We got to get this hospitality right, compassion right. Next one. So I I, I went to a a pure storage. And that's one of our church members, SRE. And he, he took me to the whole building. I met the workers. I met his boss and others. And he said, in this company, um, I just help everyone. If people need me, I help them. I'm not worried about competition. I'm not worried about somebody doing a better job than me. If I need to help, I'm going to help. Why? Because he's a follower of God. But that's not what we do. Whether it's in tech company or any company, you, you want to climb ahead of other people. Because I was talking to a hiring manager, and he was saying that for one position, uh, there were a lot of uh, applications. And they hired this guy because this guy was the loudest. He, was, he pushed assertive. He was just ahead of everyone, and they hired him. But that became the weakness because he wasn't the team player and they regretted hiring this guy because he exhibited the same character and attitude when he was in the team. Just because you're the loudest and the strongest and you know, push forward doesn't mean that will lead you to success in life. Competition does not always lead to success. But you know what? one thing that doesn't fail? Love never fails. The same thing, I, was, I went to uh, uh, Netflix uh, and visit one of our uh, youth mentors. And, and, and she was telling me that, uh, my wife and I, that she wants to be a presence of encouragement and inspiration in his team. So she wants to bring light. Why? Because she's a follower of Christ. And she is very encouraging. If you know her, she is very encouraging. These things are important. Everyday life. Everyday life. We need to lead this. you know. And uh, we go to prayer, intercession. Okay? Let not the Lord be angry, but I will speak once more. Suppose 10 should be found there. See, Abraham started with 50. This intercession. Very interesting. When he knew that God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, what did Abraham say? Oh, God. Suppose there are 50 righteous people, will you destroy the city? And God said, no, I will not if there are 50 people. Then Abraham mustered up some strength again and said, but God, what about if there are 45 people? And God said, no, if there are 45 people, I will not destroy. He must be thinking, oh, I I have to ask this again. "Uh, God, how about 30? And God said, no, 30. And he said, uh, 20. And God said, no, 20, I will still say. See how it come? Now he's coming. Oh, Lord, please don't be angry. I have asked so much. What about 10? Say, no, 10, I will not. Abraham stopped at 10 because he knew the heart of God, that God was not really going to destroy that city if he found righteous people. And 10, he counted probably, oh, Lot, his wife, two daughters, four already, right? And... uh, and then two daughters that are married already, right? So like six, husband, both the husband, it's like eight. Oh, two, they can find it. 
He must have done some numbering, right? Like our number of people. Well, there wasn't. But you see the heart intercession? You have to pray. Prayer is heart deep. That's what I want to say. Okay? You can't pray for people if you don't like them. Or you will not pray for them if you don't love them. See? That's why we pray a lot for people that are very difficult in our lives. My wife and I, we pray a lot for people that are difficult in our lives. That's why my wife prays for me all the time. <laughs> and I pray for Jonathan all the time. <laughs> because he's two inch taller than me. <laughs> two inches. See? But you see? The importance of prayer. Let's round this up. Okay? All this story, let's round this up. Abraham's intercession saved Lot, his wife, and his two daughters. And you'll say, so what, pastor? And then Lot has a scandalous, dark history, we know. And because of the scandal involved with the family, uh, Lot's descendants were whom? Moabites and Ammonites. Hear me, hear me, Santa Clara First Baptist Church. God foresaw already that Christ will come from the life, from the line of a Moabite. Christ, God foresaw already that the throne of David would be established through a Moabite woman. Her name is Ruth. Are you getting it now? Your hospitality, your compassion, and intercession can change a person's life and a nation. The Moabite from the scandal, Ruth came, a Moabite woman, Jesse. I mean, he's married to Boaz, Jesse, David, Christ. Salvation came. Salvation came. Hospitality led to a son. And blessing other people. Compassion save people. Compassion save a nation. This is how we love our neighbors. So, how can I love my neighbor? What can I do? I want you to practice hospitality. I want you to practice compassion. And I want you to practice intercession. Intercession does not cost anything. It costs your heart. Hospitality and compassion, it involves your money, your time, and your talent. If we can do this well, we can change the community. We can change the nation, right? Okay. Now, I want us to turn to God. I want us to turn to God, our heart. Because our heart has to change 